Welcome to More on Christ. I'm Pastor Glenn Moore, where we're all about encouragement and everything. Well, it's all about Jesus, our Lord and Savior, that promises abundant life. We're in the most exciting times ever in the world. God is on the move, and God is doing amazing things through the lives of people all around the world. Well, the sermon title is, Who is the Invisible Guest? The influencer in your life. Now, let me read this to you real quickly. Everyone is influenced by unseen forces in the world. The Holy Spirit is taken for granted a lot of times. We're in a series called Onward Christian Soldiers. And we are marching as to war with the cross going on before. The Holy Spirit is taken for granted a lot of times. The Holy Spirit is sent to prepare you and I to be the bride of Christ. Now that is one of his greatest jobs. There's so many things that he does. But this is one to prepare the bride, the church, to be the bride of Jesus Christ. Now that's a theme all through scripture. We're going to go and look at that in just a moment in Genesis 24 when Abraham sends his servant to get a bride for his son Isaac. The Holy Spirit is very powerful. He's not going to force you to do what he wants you to do. Every once in a while when you say, I'll never do that, watch out. You'll probably do that. God's going to make sure. So the Holy Spirit says, I'm in charge of your life. I'm living on the inside. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, so I'm calling the shots. But now he's not going to force you and coerce you and manipulate you to get the job done. Really the best way for us to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit is always to walk in humility. Now, one thing the Lord's taught me is, well, I used to say, help me, help me, Lord, help me, help me to get this done. And that one day the Lord said, well, if I help you do what you're doing, it's just going to end up being a bigger mess. So I have learned in the power of the Lord I want to be teachable. Humility means I'm teachable. It's not about money. It's about attitude. Am I teachable in the presence of the Lord? So I begin to say, Lord, show me. Show me what you want me to do, and I'll do it to the best of my abilities. Now, I've gotten more prayers answered that way, and you will too. You'll have to sit there for about an hour or two, maybe three, but he will show it to you. You'll get very peaceful. Things will get great, and boom, he'll show it to you. Now, Wedding planning. We're going to talk about a wedding here. So there are all kind of wedding planners in the world. And the Holy Spirit is the wedding planner here, getting everything ready for Jesus' return for his bride. The bridegroom cometh. We read about that in the parable of ten virgins. And five were wise and five were foolish. There's going to be a lot of foolish people. And they're going to miss the rapture based on the fact that they have no intimacy with God. There's no oil in their lamp. There's no fire on the lamp to light their way. The scripture power for that is that Jesus returns from the dead. He's resurrected. He appears to the disciples and he breathes on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a wind. Jesus talks about that many times throughout the book of John. So he breathes on them. It says receive the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden they get the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was with them their entire time with Jesus, but now they really got the Holy Spirit inside of them. Now they have become new creations, and the Holy Spirit is giving them power, wisdom, how to live this Christian life. He's providing strength. 
Now, the bottom line is, he is the invisible guest in your life. He's the influencer. Now, many people are influenced by evil, wickedness, and they become workers of iniquity. They get addicted to drugs. They do things they should not do, and they give no glory to God. They serve another master. That master Jesus talks about in John 10, 10, he says, he is a liar, a deceiver, and he's even a murderer. But I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Now, why does this matter? The bottom line is that Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit. The Father has sent the Holy Spirit to be with you forever and not to leave you lonely. And the bottom line is this. The invisible guest is there to help you be an overcomer. Now, why does this matter? Why does this matter about the invisible guest? Well, we talk about onward Christian soldiers. Soldiers have leaders that will motivate them with military rule. But the Lord has the Holy Spirit that will motivate us from within. Imagine you're getting ready to get married and you hire a wedding planner. You've proposed to your future wife and it's five months away, but you walk out to go to work that morning and there's a wedding planner sitting there. Well, here we <laughs> To-do list today, we got a lot of things to do, but the wedding's, but for five months, it's not five days away, it's five months. The wedding planner has a to-do list, and he's going to hit every bullet item that he can. We got to get the guest list. We got to get the guest list ready. We've got to get the gift list ready for all the people involved in this wedding. We got to meet with the jewelry department about the ring. We got to get you fitted for a tux. And we got to get the limo set up. So we, we got to do all these things. There's so many things. Why? We're going to talk about that wedding. So the Holy Spirit is there as a wedding planner, but he's also there to remove all the impurities in our life and keep us on the alignment issue that we need to be aligned with everything to arrive on that day ready for a wedding. There's a lot of distractions and obstructions along the way. So you can buy these great Wedding planner books, you can hire a wedding planner. We've had movies on wedding planners. But the invisible guest, the influencer in your life, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, removes all of your sins, you're forgiven, you've repented. Now you've given your life to Jesus. He says, let me give you a helper, a comforter. The Holy Spirit will be with you every day. I'm going to be back with the Father. I'm leaving. But the Holy Spirit is going to be with you, teaching you everything you need to know. The influencer is either the Holy Spirit or an evil spirit. So you have the Holy Spirit living in you, and things are great. Show me, Lord, what to do. Well, the wedding of the century took place in 1981. It was Prince Charles and Diana. They had a guest list there. They had about 3,000 to 3,500 people to invite to the wedding. And, and they got to Diana, and she said, well, wait a minute here. Hold it, hold it, hold it. There. Remove those family members of mine. And the reason was, those family members did not attend my sister's wedding. So because they didn't attend my sister's weddings, they're not going to attend mine. This can't come. Now, off, 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 off the, off the guest list. Now, this is the biggest wedding of the century. But the greatest wedding yet to take place is the eternal wedding that you and I get to go to. We are the bride of Christ. That is the one you don't want to miss. You are in the middle of the wedding. You are the bride of Christ. I am the bride of Christ. He's coming, and the Holy Spirit is planning. This is going to be a wedding you don't want to miss. That takes place just after the rapture. So you don't want to be left behind in this world while God pours out his wrath on those who have shed innocent blood. We'll come back to that in a few moments. 
Now, they had 3,000 to 3,500 guests. They had 750 million viewers around the world. This wedding in 1981 cost exactly $48 million to put on. Now, today, that's $156 million. And this was the first time a British citizen married an heir to the throne in 300 years. This is the wedding of the century. It was the largest fireworks display in 200 years. They were interviewing Prince Charles with the BBC, and he said this. He says, I am delighted, and frankly, I'm amazed that, that Diana would take me on. But he upset his future wife when he was asked by the interviewer if they were in love. And Diana quickly said, well, of course we're in love. We're, 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 we're in love. I'm in love with my future husband, Charles. And, but Charles said, well, whatever in love means, I guess. So that really upset the future wife. Off to a bad start already. But later on, they asked her, and she said this about her future husband. She says, I remember being so in love with my husband that I couldn't take my eyes off him. But it was shocking to her. It was just shocking that, that he would say this. And the night before the wedding, he told her that he didn't love her. Now, that's a shocking thing on a wedding. The night before. Let me tell you something. Jesus knows what love is all about. Jesus gave his life. He said nobody has greater love than he would lay down his life for his fellow man. Jesus, as a husband, loves the church so much so that he gave his life for the church. Now, that's love. Jesus came full of love to go and pursue his bride, and he did it in the most amazing way. Now, in this great wedding of the century, oh, they had a lot of cakes. It just wasn't one cake. That cake weighed 200 pounds, and they had about 27 cakes. Make sure everybody gets something. We want everybody to get some wedding cake that day. The train of her dress was 25 feet long with more than 10,000 micro pearls. I mean, they really put on the wedding of the century. This was great. It was awesome. It was an amazing wedding, and it took place over a couple of days. But, but in the wedding, they forgot to kiss. There at the end, when all the vows made, they forgot to kiss. So that's where we have the tradition of the husband and wife coming out on the balcony at Buckingham Palace and kissing before all the world. This is the wedding of a century. You know what happens. The eternal wedding, though, is yet to take place. It's going to be awesome. Jesus is going to come. Oh, you're talking about a fairy tale wedding. This is greater than that. This is reality. It's all in this book. Here is the Holy Spirit using this book to prepare us for that great day. So Jesus is ready. Well, in Genesis 24, let's get there. Turn, if your Bibles, to Genesis 24. Abraham is an old man now, and he says, It's time to get a, get a wife for my son, the heir. And he's had a covenant with God. God made a covenant with Abraham. And he says, I'm going to make you a great people. I'm going to give you all this land where the Canaanites live right now. Now, there's a reason for that. I'm going to give you all of their land. And we're going to have a covenant relationship. And I'm going to make sure that everything comes together because I am the greater in the covenant. You're not the greater, Abraham. I'm the one that gave you an heir. I'm the one that said, go sacrifice your son Isaac. I'm the one that provided the sacrifice for you, not you. But I needed to see that you were willing to give up everything for me. You see, that's the way God is. God says, are you ready to give up everything for me? I'm everything. I've given you the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. It's amazing. Now, that's only been happening for 2,000 years, not 6,000 years. They had the law for the 
after the flood. They had the law up to Jesus, and Jesus brought us grace and freedom and truth. And he established a new order in the covenant. Now, the covenant's still important. We need to be in alignment with the covenant. And then part of that covenant says no Canaanites. There'll be no Canaanites. Now, let's read in Genesis 24, a wife for Isaac. It's an arranged marriage. How about that? I once knew a person when I went to school that he had an arranged marriage. And we asked him, well, how does that work? And how's it going for you? He says, well, here, here's the real deal. And we, okay, we're all ears. And we want to learn, teach us. He said, well, my father who arranged the marriage loves me very much. And my father would not do anything to me that would harm me or distract me or do anything disastrous to me. So I trust my father completely with the wife that he has chosen for my life. Now, that's what an arranged marriage is all about. And God the Father has chosen you. He's arranged and preordained that you would be the bride of Christ. And he is working out all the little details in our life so that we trust him completely, just like my friend in college said, I trust my father. Do you trust your father this morning? Do you trust God the Father to work out all the details in your life, whatever it might be right now? Maybe you need some extra money to pay all the bills. Trust God and say, Father, show me what I must do to get all of this taken care of. He'll show you. He'll give you the master plan that will work perfectly for your life. So Abraham, a wife for Isaac, chapter 24. Abraham was now a very old man, and the Lord had blessed him in every way just the way he wants to do with you. One day, Abraham said to his eldest servant, the man in charge of his whole household, take an oath by putting your hand under my thigh. Swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not allow my son to marry one of these local Canaanite women. Now, why? Let's stop for a moment and say why. Why would Abraham say that? Is Abraham prejudiced against them? No, the answer is no. He was not. He was obedient to Jehovah God, Elohim. He was obedient to God. God said, no, I'm going to make a great people out of you. So he says, I have a covenant relationship with Jehovah God, and I'm not going to violate the covenant stipulations. God said, I'll give you the land, and all of your descendants will inherit this land. Why are the Canaanites about to lose their land? Here's the reason. The Canaanite people shed innocent blood by offering the firstborn of their family to the gods of Molech and Baal. They shed innocent blood. Innocent blood pollutes the land. God says so. It's spiritual pollution. See, we're worried about the other kind of pollution. But God is concerned about spiritual pollution in your life, in my life, and in Abraham's life. You're not to marry those people because they will turn your heart. They will be the influencer in your life and turn you toward idolatrous worship, And you will give your sons and daughters to the gods of the fire. And they'll die. And the innocent blood will be shed. I'm against that. Now, God says, I don't like that. That's not good. And he says this. Now, he says this in Leviticus 25, 14, and 35. Do not pollute the land where you are. Bloodshed pollutes the land, and atonement cannot be made for the land on which blood has been shed, except by the blood of the one who shed it. So when innocent blood is shed, God has to deal with that, with judgment. And God deals with the people that shed innocent blood. Now, what else pollutes the land? Now, is there, are there anything else that could pollute the land where God's people are going to dwell? And God says, yes, 
there is a couple of other things. And he says it's incest and fornication. It pollutes the land. The land does not like that. The land is a living uh, organism. God made the land. And it gives us fruit and vegetables and, and provides us all the things that we need to sustain our life. And God is the one that brings rain. And God is the one that brings the sunshine for the land. But innocent bloodshed pollutes the land. And land in this world that we live in has been polluted by innocent bloodshed throughout time. And especially now, God is going to deal with that. America has shed innocent blood. Now that we have modern technology, we can, we can give a choice to people. Say, well, do you, do you, do you want to carry this baby to full term? And, uh, you know, <laughs> we're here to uh, uh, help you make a choice. Well, the choice is always for life. Because when you make a choice for innocent bloodshed, even though you might say, well, I'm innocent of that. No, 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 you're not. Now, you can be forgiven of that. God will forgive you of shedding innocent blood. But God says the land is still polluted, and I have to deal with it. I have to deal with this land. The only way it can be dealt with is that the person who shed the blood has to give their life to remove that stain of innocent bloodshed. So God has a plan, and God always deals with this. And you can read the theme throughout this wonderful book, all through the book. What took place in Moses' generation? What took place in Jesus' generation? And now God says, now I'm going to send your people to e Egypt. They'll be down there for 400 years, but I'm going to build an army. See, God does not do anything with you or me without being an ally. And nor can the enemy do anything in this world without having allies to work with him. And we are working with God. The Holy Spirit is living in us, and we're going to obey him. And he's helping us obey him. He's shining the light on us. So the only way to work around these things is to repent and say, God, we're sorry that we've done this in our nation. Forgive us of our sins. We have trespassed. We have polluted the land with innocent bloodshed, not caring whatsoever, just like the Canaanites did. And God says the land will vomit you out at some point. It'll just spit you out because you have polluted the land. God has built these laws into our world, and there's nothing we can do about it. Just like God has built the law of gravity into our world, there is nothing you can do to escape that law. So there's other laws. Now, Abraham was very special to God. God chose him to make a great and mighty nation, and you are part of that covenant. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you now are in the Abraham covenant, the David covenant, and the Jesus covenant he makes with you. So we're very special. Now, in this world today that we live in, all around the globe, there might be somewhere between a half a billion and one billion people that before they even had a chance to live. Innocent bloodshed. God is against that every day. Jesus says he comes to lie. The devil comes to lie, steal, and destroy. That's how he does it. But he has to get people to agree with him to do these disastrous, terrible things. Abraham says to his servant, go instead to my homeland, to my relatives, and find a wife there for my son Isaac. The servant asks, but what if I can't find somebody? He says, then if you cannot find someone, do not take my son to that land. Whatever, do not take my son back to the Canaanite land. I do not want that. God does not want that in my lineage, in my, with all my heirs not to be. It's going to be a special people that God is going to raise up. So he made a solemn promise to Abraham, I'm going to do exactly what you said to do. And Abraham says, listen, he's going to send his angel before you and make everything come together. Then he loaded up 10 of Abraham's camels with all kinds of expensive gifts from his master. And he traveled to distant Aram Naharam, 
There he went to the town where Abraham's brother Nahor had settled. He made the camels kneel beside a well just outside the town. It was evening and the women were coming out to draw water. So here we go. Here's what's going to happen. Now, he makes a great prayer, a prayer that moves the heart of Yahweh God, the servant of Abraham. He says, O Lord God of my master Abraham, he prayed, please give me success today and show unfailing love to my master Abraham. See, I am standing here beside this spring and the young women of the town are coming out to draw water. This is my request. In other words, show me, show me. Here's my request, but show me. I will ask one of them, please give me a drink from the jug. If she says, yes, have a drink and I will water your camels too. Let her be the one you have selected as Isaac's wife. This is how I will know that you have shown unfailing love to my master. So show me the one. Show me the one. Before he had finished praying, he saw a young woman named Rebekah coming out with her water jug on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, who was the son of Abraham's brother Nahor and his wife Milcah. Rebekah was very beautiful and old enough to be married. She was still a virgin. She went down to the spring, filled her jug, and came up again. Running over to her, the servant said, Please give a little drink of water from your jug. This reminds me of Jesus in chapter 4 of John when he stood at the water and the woman, the Samaritan woman come out and he says, please give me a drink of water. You know, so it's kind of a reenactment here almost. And then he goes, says, yes, my Lord, she answered, have a drink. And she quickly lowered her jug from her shoulder and gave him a drink. When she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they have had enough to drink. So she quickly emptied the jug into the watering trough and ran back to the well to draw water for all the camels. The servant watched in silence, wondering whether or not the Lord had given him success in his mission. Then at last, when the camels had finished drinking, he took out a gold ring for her nose and two large gold bracelets for her wrist. Whose daughter are you? He asked. And please tell me, would your father have any room to put up the camels for the night? And she said, well, I am the, I am the daughter of Bethuel. My p- grandparents are Nahor and Milcot. The servant goes to the house and everybody's waiting, and she runs ahead and tells him, this man came. God sent a man, and it was her time in life to leave the home. And she runs on, and in verse 52, when Abraham's servant heard their answer, he bowed down to the ground and worshiped the Lord. So they said, it's okay, you can take Rebekah back with you. So he was all excited. I have accomplished my mission. He bowed down in front of all of them and worshiped God. And then he brought out, now here, he brought out silver and gold jewelry and clothing and presented them to Rebekah. He also gave expensive presents to her brother and mother. Then they ate their meal and the servants and the men with them stayed there overnight. But in the morning, I got to go back. Are we ready? They, They wanted them to wait. He says, no, it is time. So there's a time when God is going to say, it's time. The wedding must take place. We're getting very close in our time, but there's still a little bit to go. So the Holy Spirit wants to prepare you to be the perfect bride of the groom, Jesus. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn of my ways. I'm very humble. I'll carry the heavy part of this thing. I'm going to help you by giving you the Holy Spirit who's going to help you and point out things in your life. He's going to give you a light unto your feet and a lamp unto the pathway ahead of you so you can see what to do. He's going to influence you. He is the influencer that's living inside of you, the wedding planner, the Holy Spirit, the invisible guest influencer in your life. He's going to prepare you for Jesus every day of your life. He's got a checklist and he says, I want you to go out and invite all your friends. There's a checklist for invitations. Go out, tell your friends about this great wedding that's about to take place 
and tell them they don't want to miss this. In fact, they're going to be part of the bride. They're going to be the bride of Jesus. They don't want to miss this. And, and God has amazing gifts for you right now. He has amazing gifts for your family and your friends. The gift of salvation, a wonderful thing. And the Holy Spirit acts like a refiner's fire inside of us. He burns up the impurities in our life that shouldn't be there. He, he gives us freedom from addictions and sins that have shackled us and, and, and put us under chains and has shamed us. And we don't want to come to church because, well, I haven't been in so long. And as soon as I walk through the doors, everybody will point at me. No, they won't. They'll be happy that you come back. God says to rejoice when the prodigal son returned home. Rejoice that he came back home. Come on home. It's a good time to come home and get ready and let the Holy Spirit influence you to be the bride of Christ. Take on the yoke of Jesus and he will show you how it works. Now, why is he invisible? This is the reason he's invisible. Because he has a checklist. Every day of your life, he's got appointments for you to go to. He's got divine appointments. He has things for you to do. And, and just like the wedding planner that's waiting outside, five months to go before the wedding, oh, we got all these things to do. And every day, he's out waiting by the car. And then you wake up that morning, is he out there today? Well, the wedding planner's out there waiting on you because there are things to be done before the wedding takes place. I don't want to go out today. I, 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 I'm exhausted from the last week of doing everything that wedding planner wanted me to do. So here's how it works. God, God says, the Holy Spirit is the invisible one living inside of you. And it's best, it works best when you say, show me, I surrender all, show me, I'll do what you want me to do. And then you hunger and thirst for more of Jesus. I want more of your leadership in my life, Holy Spirit. I don't want to make any more mistakes. I want to be in alignment. I want to be inside the covenant. I want to enjoy the benefits and the blessings. I want to be highly favored and highly blessed everywhere I go. I want you to open up the doors. And I want the Lord Jesus to be first in my life and do all of these wonderful things in my life. So the Holy Spirit will remind you of things in the scriptures He'll bring back verses to your memory. He'll give you everything that you need. He'll be working behind the scenes. He'll give you the greatest deals. You see, you can have all you want of the Holy Spirit, all you want of God the Father, all you want of Jesus, if you just say, Lord, I hunger and thirst for more of you. I want all that I can have. I want to live the greatest life here on earth that I can live. And God says, we're going to do it. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. It's going to be great every day. But just... Open up to him and surrender all that you have. Now, Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit in John 20, verse 22. There's so many things that the Holy Spirit does in our life. He prepares us. He teaches us. He counsels us. He comforts us. He gives us words of knowledge and words of wisdom. He brings hope into our life and lets us know, not yet. Don't, don't open that door. Don't open that door. Not that door. And he, sometimes he has to lock it shut so that we go to the next door that he wants to open for us. In other words, make us more like Jesus. John 15 says, if you abide in the vine and my words abide in you, all of this book, the Bible, 66 books, they're the words of Jesus. And they're already part of this wedding. If those words abide in us, we'll have a lot of fruit to give to the Lord Jesus one day. Now, the Holy Spirit is here to glorify Jesus in every way possible. So he uses our life to do just that. Now, back to arranged marriages. Now, you're part of an arranged marriage now made in heaven. We also read in Ephesians 5, 25 through 27, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. 
that he might sanctify her. So he's sanctifying us. He's setting us aside. He's making us very special. Having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So we get cleansed with the word of God. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor. So he's preparing us to present us, the bride, to the groom, which is Jesus, in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So the Lord Jesus is doing all the work. The Holy Spirit's doing the work. He's preparing us to be the bride of Christ. And you can see that in Genesis 24, but you can also see it in the book of Esther. The king has a queen, Vashti, and he's upset with her. She's out. Real quickly, she's out. And they did a search. So they got this arranged marriage. They did this search. Esther 2 says, So his personal attendants suggested... Let us search the empire to find beautiful young virgins for the king. Let the king appoint agents in each providence to bring these beautiful young women into the royal harem at the fortress of Susa, Haggai. The king's eunuch in charge of the harem will see that they are given beauty treatment. Now, how about that? So the Holy Spirit is beautifying his church right now as the bride for Jesus Christ. Before each woman was taken to the king's bed, she was given the prescribed 12 months of beauty treatment, six months with oil of myrrh, followed by six months with special perfumes and ointments. Oh, that sounds great. Well, the Lord is doing that to the bride of Christ right now through the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. So approved, arranged marriages. You're part of one. Right now, you're being prepared by the power of the Holy Spirit to be ready. Learn about the ways of Jesus. Learn what's acceptable to the king. They had to learn. These are the things that are acceptable to the king, and these are not. Oh, never do this in the king's presence. Never say such things. Never upstage the king. Your role is his wife, not his headship. He is the head of the kingdom. So they were trained, and we are being trained as we come to the house of the Lord on how we are to be the bride of Christ. Jesus is the greater. We are the servants. We are his bride, and he's going to take care of his bride. He gave up his life for the bride to sanctify us. Now, that's exactly what takes place. So we're in this series on onward Christian soldiers, and part of being a good soldier is being obedient and disciplined as we are being shaped to be a mighty army, but we're being shaped right now to be the great bride of Jesus. John the Baptist said, it's my joy to see the groom and the bride come together. My job is over. I've baptized Jesus and the Holy Spirit descended. But it's my joy. My joy is complete, he says, that now I have seen the bridegroom come. My job's over. And we know that John the Baptist was a living sacrifice for Jesus. So the wedding planner, the invisible guest in our life says, I got everything for you, but I need to be asked because I want you to want what I'm providing you in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to give you fruit. I'm going to give you blessings. Just like the servant of Abraham brought out all kinds of jewelry and special clothing for Rebecca. God is clothing us with the garments of praise and worship. God is clothing us with so many beautiful things. The garments of praise will say, I thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in my life. I trust you. So Rebecca had to trust the servant. Esther she had to trust all the people around her and know that what she was doing was for God. This was the time of her life to do it. Now, this is your day. This is your day. Today, in conclusion, Jesus has chosen you to be the bride of Christ. 
Now you have two choices. I accept the terms of Jesus to live forever with him in his beautiful city, a city that is 1,500 miles square and 1,500 miles high. It's considered the new Jerusalem, and that's where the bride will be with Jesus in the wedding week. We'll be raptured to Jesus' sight. So now is the time to be red hot for Jesus, to be excited. The ten virgins were waiting on the bridegroom to appear, but he delayed, and it was about midnight. And they said, he's come, he's arrived. And they woke up and they trimmed their lamps, lit the wick, and five wise virgins, the oil was there. But five foolish virgins, the oil was not there. Now God is saying today, is your lamp full of intimacy for me? Do you love me? Do you long for me? Do you read my word? Do you pray? Do you go out and invite others to come to the wedding fest, the greatest wedding of eternity? You're in it. You're in it no matter how you got married on this earth. Trust me, this wedding is the eternal wedding. It will surpass the wedding of the century by eons. Why, it would just be a, won't even be a passing thought. There'll be no comparisons. And no matter where you've been, whatever you've done, Jesus is saying, listen, I've got a plan for your life. You could get the greatest minds on earth and the greatest supercomputers, but I just laugh at it because, well, my plans are so great. So you've been addicted. Come on home. I can take care of your addiction. So you've wandered away and, and you haven't read my word in a long time. It's okay. It's still fresh. The Holy Spirit will make this book come alive as you spend time with him. And the more time you spend with God the Father, the Lord Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, the greater excitement will grow in you. There'll be a fire from God. It'll be inside of you, purifying you, sanctifying you, setting you on fire for the kingdom of God. You'll be talking to all your friends with your testimony, saying, you know what Jesus did for me? I've got more open doors since I've been saying, show me what to do. Lord, show me. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I, I, I'm committed, Lord. I, I'm, the, I'm part of this covenant, and I want to serve you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm going to love you. I'm coming back. I'm coming back, and I'm agreeing with you, Father God, that I've sinned and come short of the glory of God. I'm sorry I, I wandered away. I'm sorry i become a prodigal. I'm sorry that I've got the attitude that I've got that says, I, I don't trust anybody, and, well, churches are just full of doctrine, and I don't want to hear about that. Doctrine is just teaching. And the place you're going to learn how to be the bride of Christ is at the church, which is the bride of Christ. So when you're not in the church, you're not the bride of Christ. You're an independent agent out there, and the fires of hell will fall upon you. But when you're inside the bride chamber, guess what? You're protected. Now, Jesus wants to protect his bride and prepare his bride, and the Holy Spirit is the wedding planner, the invisible guest that's preparing you. And as you read the word and listen to great testimonies and great sermons and you have fellowship with his saints, you'll become more like Jesus every day and you'll look forward to Jesus coming back to get you and take you to his wonderful place in heaven. And you'll be free of this world. But every day you get a chance to live for Jesus is a great day. This is the greatest day of your life to surrender your life to Jesus. Say, I'm tired. I believe that you sent Jesus to take my place on the cross where he shed his blood. And that was innocent blood. But that shed blood of Jesus wipes away all of your sins. Now, that's the only way we can heal a land. That's the only way you can be healed is to repent of your sins and say, I'm sorry, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. And I choose you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. I want to be just exactly what you want me to be. 
I want to give my life completely to you. I want you to use me and set me free of this world so that I can do the greatest thing for you by giving you my life. Because I choose you and I know you're going to make something beautiful out of my life. Something beautiful was a great song. Something wonderful. He took everything I had, which was really bad, and he turned it into something beautiful in my life. Jesus will do just that. So, dear friend, give your life to Jesus today. And, oh, you've just began the greatest step of your life. Today is the greatest day of your life. You've got a place in heaven, and Jesus has been there preparing it for the last 2,000 years. And now you're going to have the Holy Spirit living in you. Now you're going to need more power. You're going to have to get fire, more fire in your life. He wants to give you power to be his witness and invite other guests to the great wedding event. So just listen to the wedding planner, the Holy Spirit, and you'll do great. God bless you today and be with you and open up doors before you and close the doors that need to be closed. And don't trust anybody but the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and God the Father, and the leadership of your local church that God has given you. God bless you and have a great week. In Jesus' name, amen.